All right, welcome back to the Text Lab. You are joining me, Kyle Lundquist, and I'm here with David Kroll. Hello. David, how you doing? Doing pretty good, man. You ready for Christmas? Getting there. I can't believe it's in a week and a half. A week and a half. It's crazy. Our Christmas tree right now, our neighbors are going to come over and think we're kind of weird. The bottom half of our Christmas tree has no Christmas ornaments on it. Because Ava has found oh, that picking yeah. up Christmas ornaments and smashing them on the ground is a very fun activity. So it's a little barren from the whole half down. We were actually the opposite because our kids decorated the tree and they can only reach <laughs> up like the first foot. So there's like a million down at the bottom. And yeah. they've learned that maybe they're out of like the ornament smashing phase mm, yes. for now. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're here. If you've been joining us the last few weeks, we're in a, a sort of a special project we're doing for four weeks during Christmas where we're talking about following the King and we're exploring habits that help us to be with Jesus and to become like Jesus. And so the first week we talked about silence and solitude. Last week, Jake and I talked about Sabbath. And this week, just tackling a nice, simple topic called prayer. <laughs> a little important. Yeah. So there's so many places we could go with this. Um but I think one of the things we really want to hone in on, one of the big ideas we want to hit on is that prayer is an invitation to be honest and it's not a space to perform. And so we'll get there, but I, I would love to just start. I, I think for a lot of us, we maybe carry a little bit of guilt about our prayer life. We feel like we should pray more. Mm-hmm. We know we should pray more. And some of us, I think we're taught growing up that prayer is simple. You're just talking to God. Mm. But I think the reality is this, if you talk to anybody who's followed Jesus for a long time, is that nurturing a prayer life is actually really difficult. Hmm. So I'd love to hear, maybe just we can start with thinking through what makes prayer challenging. So just from your own life, do you have thoughts about what makes it difficult to pray? Yeah, I, I, I think one of the the things that comes to mind is two, well, I guess actually two two thoughts is one, that it can be oversimplified as if it's this, oh yeah, just just talk to God. It's easy. Just pray. And then a lot of times people struggle in that because it's very different than a two-person conversation like we are having right now. It looks different. It feels different. Yeah. Uh, you're not having the same things happen in those conversations. You don't have this immediate verbal audible response back to you. And so navigating that a little bit sometimes becomes a big hindrance. And then I think the other thing that immediately comes to mind is that what you're already touching on is that a lot of times I know in my life, I have struggled with trying to pray the right way mm. and trying to pray the right way just develops a certain type of prayer life. When you feel like you are trying to perform in prayer, when you feel like you are trying to do it the right, the right way for much of my life, prayer was and has been tempted to be just a box that you check. You feel like, okay, I got to get in there and I got to, I got to pray the same way. I got to get in there and get my workout done or do the dishes or do whatever. It's kind of just this obligatory action that you're taking. Um, and that, that can be, that can be some of the things that just make prayer difficult. What about for you? Yeah, I was thinking about this as we we're coming in this morning. There's two that I think about. One is the thing I think of most immediately, but I think it's actually the, the surface reason, and that's distraction. Mm. I think a lot of us, that's where our minds go first, is that we struggle to pray because we are distracted. We live in a, a very loud, frenetic, chaotic, hurried world. Yeah. And so it's easy to lose sight of Jesus. And we we get fixated on whatever, success or money or good things like parenting or whatever. And we just feel like we're caught up yeah. in this 
tornado of stuff that we got to do and we lose sight of God. And I, I think that's true. So I think distraction is very real, but I think that's sort of a symptom of a deeper issue in my heart. And it's not just that I'm distracted. It's that there's disbelief. Like I, mm-hmm. I doubt. And I, like I could write a great paper about prayer, but in actuality, my heart mm-hmm. doubts and disbelieves some of the words in scripture that are used to describe yeah. prayer. Like I could write a great paper about how powerful prayer is, how yeah. necessary it is, how transformative it is. Yep. But somewhere in my heart, I don't fully buy into those ideas. And I still think that it'd actually be more effective if I just worked harder mm. or I just white knuckle mm. it or I kind of got to grow myself or whatever. Yeah. And so I think distraction is real, but I think a deeper issue is that, and I think it's true for a lot of us, that we just, we don't fully believe yeah. and trust that prayer is what scripture describes yeah. it. And maybe one layer deeper is that there's an issue of affection and love. And in some ways, I think my heart still just loves watching television and being entertained more than the experience of being with Jesus. Yeah. But to go all the way back to what you're saying, I think prayer becomes really boring if you feel like you have to perform. Mm-hmm. Like if you feel like we, we sort of throw on a mask and like clean ourselves up before we step into prayer. Yeah. Um, that That's exhausting. That's boring. And, and one thing I'd love to just sit with for a second, and we can riff off this for a moment, but when you read the Bible, people's prayers are incredibly honest. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus in the garden honestly expresses his desires. Mm-hmm. And the Psalms teach us that we can honestly express our grief and our hurt. Job is a story of a guy praying, talking to God, and he is brutally honest about his confusion and even wondering his wonderings of God's justice and his goodness. Um, Jonah, who's not necessarily the guy we want to imitate, but uh, he feels the freedom to be honest with God Mm -hmm. and God meets him there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think looking at David in the Psalms, looking at Jesus life is prayer, thinking through what does biblical prayer actually mean? What does that actually look like? You get these really good examples of just people honestly walking with God in the spiritual journey with him. And you, you hear David Psalm 13 crying out to God, God, why have you forsaken me? Um, and he, and he, he, his prayers often go through a different journey. Like his prayers are often, uh, begin in, in places of praise, enter into places of lament and come back out to places of praise. Like it follows the structure and you see kind of this nature of it, but he's not immediately, he's not, he's not trying to hide that from him. It actually feels important for him to express that question, express that doubt, express that wondering in this place of prayer with God. And you see even how David is defined as this man after God's own heart, largely largely attributed to, I think, some of those the Psalms and his longing, his seeking, his yearning just to be with God in the the questions about his enemies that are attacking, or God, have you have you abandoned me here? And so you just see him show up in this place of honesty with prayer, which is a really helpful way to think about prayer as prayer as a place to be honest, not a place to be good. Yeah. I think a lot of times we think, oh, prayer is this place for me to kind of show up and I perform, I pray the right prayers that I'm supposed to pray. But then suddenly our prayer life starts to change if we think about prayer as this place to be honest rather than good. Yeah. No, that's so good. It makes me think, I, I was just listening to a podcast about Job and it, ma- it made me think about Job as a book about prayer which I've never really thought of Job as a book about prayer. 
and and Job is this story of a of a, a righteous man who is being tested, and I think the question is essentially, will Job? And this is this is what the accuser comes and says to, to Yahweh: Will Job love God even when all the good things, all the good gifts are gone? And um, and what we see is Job does. Job yeah. wants God. He mm. he stumbles through that. He accuses God. Then he backs off. But in the end, there's this, this language that Job uses where he just says, "I want to see you." Mm. And he then he kind of says, like, as as God is like putting him in his place, he's like, "I." I take back my accusations. I, I was foolish. I didn't know what I was saying. But I think Job, uh, God vindicates Job in the mm. end and, and honors him. And Job's wrestling with God, s- seeking to be with him. That's what he wants. He yeah. just wants to be with, with, with Yahweh. And I think prayer is, that. that's what prayer at its core is, is this invitation to be with God as you actually are. Yeah. And, um, and there really are only two options when, when it comes to honesty, either, you know, if we're confused or we're grieving or we're hurt, we can either hide it or we can be honest about it. Mm. And even if we feel like, I don't feel like I should have these kind of questions. Yeah. If you do, again, the only option is either you honestly express those to God or you pretend. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I, I I think that's challenging for us to trust that God would would allow us to come and be honest. But I think that's what the narrative of Scripture from beginning to end is modeling. Yeah, is that you can and God really will love you in that space. Yeah. Well, and there's some exciting stuff there because if you think about God as someone who's living in ultimate reality, God just is living in ultimate reality, and so prayer is actually this place to enter closer to the ultimate reality that God is living in. So suddenly um, honesty as a different word for confession, as you were just acknowledging what God already knows. He already knows and sees your heart. So when you're showing up and you're kind of like pretending in prayer, or you're like saying kind of the ritualistic prayer that you're supposed to say, God's not somehow like fooled by that. So when actually you start to acknowledge what's real in your own heart that God already knows is there, then you can actually do something about it. So it actually becomes this almost like moment of confession. Man, God, here's my anger. Here's my fear. Here's my anxiety. And then you actually are able to almost like sit with God in that. And then you, God actually shows up and something can actually be done about your anger or your frustration or your anxiety. It's actually just this way to enter Closer to the reality that God is already mm. living in, which is really usually when we talk about being desperate and dependent here at, at VG, it's, that's what prayer is, this invitation to acknowledge the truth of your desperate dependence. It's just this place to acknowledge the truth of your frustration or your weakness, your brokenness, your sin and confession. And so that's just this invitation that I think God gives us in prayer and prayer suddenly then becomes this really exciting landscape. Um, it doesn't have to be a place to reform. It doesn't have to just be a ritual that you do to check a box. It actually can become ongoing, honest prayer with God about anything that's going on in your heart. And especially in the midst of a culture and a world of distraction and noise, prayer can actually be threaded into all the different things going on in our life. And it's it, it, it can become this ongoing, honest dialogue with God about just whatever's right in front of you. Like mm. some of the, I, I, last night, some of the, the prayers that were in my heart was like, oh, Jesus, just help me be patient in this moment. 
with my kids. Like, okay, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. Like, I'm just frustrated, right? Now, actually, you know what? That wasn't last night. That was this morning as I recollected that. That was like, just literally as you're like, as you're parenting, as you're waking up in the morning, as you're with your spouse, as you're at work, prayer can become just this ongoing, honest ping pong with God, dialogue with him, honest conversation with him. Um, that you're not, mm. you're not, you're not even trying to separate from those things to go pray about some like spiritual things you're supposed to pray about. You're actually just going with what's honestly actually there. Yeah. Whether that's kids or family or work or friends or your own stuff, your own sin, um, and that suddenly just starts to make prayer engaging and exciting, even in those places. Yeah, that's really good. As you're, yeah, as you're describing that, I'm just thinking about how I grew up. Nobody taught me this, but this is just what I picked up. I grew up probably thinking about prayer as primarily a place to get stuff from God. Mm. You know, it's like God is the cosmic vending machine. Yeah. yeah. And obviously God is not a cosmic vending machine. But what, when you're talking, what I'm thinking is prayer is not a place. Prayer is a place where we go ask God for things. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's totally biblical. But but not in this, like, you're the vending machine. If I say the right words, then I somehow right. punch in the magical code and you spit yeah. out what I want. Yeah. Or I've read my Bible enough, now you owe me and you give me yeah. this thing I want or whatever. Um, but prayer is primarily not just this place to go to the cosmic vending machine. No. Prayer yeah. is primarily about being with God. And that's a that's a paradigm shift that yeah. some somewhere in my life happened. And when you think about prayer as a place to primarily just be with God... To, to receive his love and nurture love for him. And then the invitation to be honest in that, all of a yeah. sudden, like you're saying, prayer becomes more exciting because I can just be like, God, I am really frustrated by what's going on. I don't have to wear a mask. Um, but two, yeah, there's you're, you're touching on there's this transformative piece mm. that God begins to work in our heart and perform soul surgery for us. I, I've thought, I'm not very good at this still, but for years, <coughs> excuse me, for years I've been, thinking about the idea of turning my self-talk into God talk. Mm. And by that, I just mean like, I can't, like as we're going through our day, we're just kind of thinking to ourselves, like you're going to go meet with somebody. All right, I'm going to go meet with Joe. Yeah. What, what were Joe and I talking about last week? What do I need to follow up with them? I'm going to this meeting. All right. What am I supposed to have in line? What am I supposed, what yeah. am I going to say to the boss? What, whatever. We're just kind of thinking to ourselves, And mm. instead in this conversational, ongoing, honest kind of prayer, I've tried, I'm trying to be someone who just turns all that into conversation with God. So instead of just thinking about to myself about sitting with Joe, it's like, all right, God, I'm going to go hang out with Joe. How do you want me to love him? What were we talking about last time? What can I follow up with? God, I'm going in this meeting with my boss. I feel anxious. Can you help me? And then again, all of a sudden, like the entire day can be this long conversation with God. And it's, you know, there's so much we could talk about prayer. It's obviously worthwhile to go detach and, and separate yourself from the busyness and be alone and pray. But if all we did was like, I carved out five minutes of my day to pray that like there's a danger that we live most of our life detached from God. Mm. And so this on the go kind of prayer, I'm just talking to God honestly about whatever's going on. I'm frustrated with my kids. I'm really grateful for this thing that happened, whatever it is. I just think that opens the door to really abide in Jesus and live our whole life with him. That's so good. Cause when we think about prayer, going back to the divine cosmic vending machine that we think God is or how we even operate, 
with God. In those ways, it becomes this very transactional exchange mm, yes. with God. I get yes. it's a quid quo pro. I'll give you this, God. You give me this, and and that's just not the dynamic of our relationship with God. It is so much more this back and forth conversation between a loving father with his child, and the interaction that the dynamic interplay that happens there um, is is so much more the picture of Scripture. Uh, that is given to us of prayer. There's a Oswald Chambers quote where he says, prayer does not prepare us for the greater work. Prayer is the work. And that's been kind of a theme this last year that we've talked about at, at Vintage of prayer truly being the work. And that is important because it's, it goes back to that transactional exchange where even in that quote, it's not even saying that prayer is the work to get God so, to get do a payday. what you want him to do. No, yeah. God, prayer is not just this place to ask that God would move in these certain ways. Prayer is this place where God is going to move you in different ways. And so prayer is the greater work because it, it there is this divine trust and belief and intercession and request that can, that happens in prayer. But also then we're moved in prayer. Prayer is the greater work because in prayer we enter into a, a closer understanding of God, his work, his story, his narrative that is in play in our lives and the places for us to surrender, to trust in that. And to in our desperate independence to recognize that what we can do is so futile compared mm-hmm. to what he can do and recognize that. Usually there's some sort of breakdown in my the if I'm not recognizing my dependence on him, yeah. that's usually when my trust yeah. in prayer diminishes and the higher i recognize my own brokenness my own desperate dependence the greater i actually go to him in prayer mm. and so prayer prayer is the work truly in not relying on ourselves but in truly recognizing that often god wants to do movement in my heart and life in prayer and in prayer i'm going to see a greater picture of who he is and my heart will then be moved in response to yeah. that my favorite book on prayer that at least that I've read in the last few years is a book called A Praying Life by, I think it's Paul Miller. And he has two things that I loved from that book. One, he's got a chapter called Embracing Weakness. Mm. And he says that if you want to nurture a prayer life, you have to embrace your weakness, which is completely counter everything that our American culture yeah. Yeah. invites us to kind of conceive of ourselves as. Like we, we want to be strong capable, hyper-efficient, all those things. Yeah. But we're not. We're finite. And, and it, <clears throat> in, in the kingdom narrative, we are finite little kids who need our father to help us. Mm. And so he says, you have to embrace your weakness. And I just, there's something really freeing, even though it's countercultural, there's something really freeing in that. And then the other thing he says, in, in light of that, as we embrace our weakness and recognize how finite we are, he says to just pray like kids. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of getting practical. Like, how do we pray? He's just, just pray like kids. And by that, he means ask your father yeah. for good gifts. Jesus teaches that, you know, if, if earthly fathers know how to give, give, yeah. give good gifts, do you think that your heavenly father doesn't? <clears throat> so he says, just honestly ask your father and, and really be honest. Like my four-year-old is not, <laughs> she's not like gauging should I ask daddy for this? Do you think daddy would want to give me? She just comes in and is like, daddy, let's go get donuts. Because <laughs> she wants donuts. And I think we're invited to pray with that kind of honesty as we've already touched on. But also to pray, recognizing that prayer is just a space. Like I loved what you're just saying. Prayer is a space to be with 
our father who loves us. That Again, this would be paradigm shifting to think of prayer, not as a place to like be good, but a place to be loved mm-hmm. and just a place to sit with our father, to receive his love. And all of us, we lose sight of the magnitude of God's love. And so prayer is this place to be grounded afresh in this overwhelming, relentless, unwavering love that the father extends to us. So yeah, I, I, lo- I was we're talking about honesty and all that. I, I just love the idea of in prayer, we become like children who, who are sitting with our father, honestly pouring out our heart, crying if we need to cry, asking him for the things that we think are good, just looking for his love and his affection. And, and in all that love and affection for him is nurtured yeah. in our heart. And I think like some of the biggest encouragement I can give on it is just start where you already are right now. Like don't, don't try to pray the right prayers. Don't try and do the right thing. Start with where you are right now. What is on the surface of your heart and your life? It's probably a relationship. It's probably some fear. It might be some stress. It might be some anxiety. It might be some anger or frustration. Like just start talking with God about that um, as just really the place to start flexing that prayer muscle. Your 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 prayer might even just be right now, God, I just have the do- desire to desire to pray. It might not even be that you're there yet, but just talk with God about your lack of desire for prayer or your lack of trust in prayer. And God's going to take even that true confession, that true honesty with him and start to do something with it. I do think finding different ways to to pull back in the mm-hmm. midst of our busyness, because what, what happens when you pull back is that you give your your time, your focus, your attention to God, and he, he meets you in that place. It's like literally a spiritual workout. You go to the gym to focus on working out that muscle and something happens there. And so maybe that's five minutes, maybe that's two minutes to pause in the morning or at noon and just pull back Set all distractions aside. Give your attention to God. Um, and God's going to meet you in that space. I guarantee it. He's going to mm. meet you in that moment. Yeah, maybe just to wrap up. This is from Psalm 42. This is an image that I think of often when I pray. Verse 4 says, uh, this guy, to, to our point, this guy is being honest. He says, as deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come in a Peer before him. My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? So he's describing this yeah. longing. This is not like a cute little image of like a, a sweet little Bambi deer. This is like this dying, thirsting mm. deer, like panting. Yeah. And he's wondering, God, where did you go? And people are accusing me and saying, Where'd your God go? They're making fun of him. So here's a man who's being honest and who's going through something hard. But I love this. Verse four. He says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. And so I love the idea of prayer being like, and maybe whatever you're doing, you close your, well, if you're, if you're, right, if you're mowing the lawn or you're <laughs> driving in the car, don't close your eyes. But um, if, if you're not, you can close your eyes as, you, as I even described this. If, if you could just imagine pulling out your heart or your soul and cracking it on your knee and just shaking it out, pouring it out, which is what he says he's doing. I'm pouring out my soul. And just thinking like, what would fall out? If you just could crack open your heart, shake it on the table, what would come out? What are the longings? What are the disappointments? What are the confusions? What are the hurts? What are the wounds? What are the questions you have for God? And this guy's just saying like, I'm just going to crack open my soul and just pour it out. Mm, And that's what we can do. And so to your point, like you just start there. So whatever you're doing right now, you can just crack open your heart, shake it and see what comes out. If it's gratitude, awesome. Express gratitude. If it's grief and hurt and pain, then you're free to express those things too. So 
maybe our challenge for you this week is like Dave is saying, just start where you are and begin by cracking open your heart and pouring it out honestly before the God who loves you. So good. Hey, well, listener, thanks for joining us this week as we seek to follow the King and pursue habits that help us to become like the King, the King that's better than Solomon or David or Rehoboam or Jeroboam or any Old Testament King, all pointing to our true King that has come that we are celebrating this Christmas season. Whatever you are doing, we hope this helps you truly to follow Jesus and walk with him as we grow in our R1 deepening relationship with God as we do that together. We love you guys and we'll catch you next time on The Text Lab.